Today's show is sponsored by you and others like you who have pledged a flexible monthly donation through the Urban Achiever Patreon page. Please consider becoming a contributor by visiting patreon.com slash urbanachiever. And thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Mike Lewis, and this is the Giving is Believing podcast. My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Lewis, and this is the Never Was podcast. What's up, Achievers? My name is Mark Solomon, and this is the Giving is Believing podcast. It's me, Mike Lewis, and Mark Solomon, and Billy Power. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome back to the 2015 Podcast Ellipse, Part 3. If you've not listened to Part 1 and 2, you definitely want to start there. You didn't have anything else to do today, did you? On behalf of myself, Mark, and Mike, I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. And welcome to 2016. We're all thankful you've decided to join us in celebrating God's giant reset button, also known as January 1st. In this final hour, things get deep and personal as we try to solve some of life's little problems. Like, why am I here? What should I be doing? Why do bad things always happen with good things? And what does it mean to sacrifice? You know, those kind of questions. And we might not have all the answers, but damn it, we're going to give it our best. So ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome you back with Mike Lewis of Giving is Believing, Mark Solomon of Never Was, and myself. Please enjoy the show. Yes, Captain. So you want to talk about? Let's talk about life. life. Yeah, he wanted, to, he wanted to really narrow in on a on a topic, so he picked yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> job, dude. I mean, you started you started to get into it about you know life being hard. I mean, one thing that's kind of being taught by this prosperity movement in the church is is that you know being a Christian is is everything's going to work out and nothing's hard and you know. But a lot of us have had you know uh, two of us have been divorced in this room. And we've all had bad relationships and we've all had, you know, hardship. What is it? You know, let's talk a little bit about that and like how and how you deal with that, because that that's the part I think that gets overlooked. You know, um, people struggle with depression. People struggle with life. Life, life. life can be very difficult. What what is it that I mean, besides, you know, the Jesus answer? I mean, uh, what is it? What is it? What is it that like actually gets you through just the normal crap? and disappointment and all that fun stuff. I can tell you something that I've been learning uh, 
it's so weird. I feel like I went through like a period of my life, maybe in my thirties, late twenties through my thirties or whatever. And, and I've never been a very self-reflective person where I'm sitting around and considering what I'm doing or sort of like a typical man. I sort of just, you know, doing what I got to do, doing my thing, kind of going through where I feel like women are a lot more self-reflective and th- why did I do that? Why do I do this thing that I do? Or why do I, and I've sort of, as I've gotten into my forties, I've entered more of an era of considering why I do things. And, and one of the big things that like, it seems like in our culture, there's a lot of the sort of victim mentality. Everything's happening to you. You know, you have no control over anything and like whatever. And the biggest thing like that I've tried to conquer over the last few years is just, I lost a lot of that optimism. I've always been known as like an optimistic person, glasses half full, trying to look on the bright side or whatever. And I felt like I kind of was reaching this critical point of like becoming very negative and very like kind of giving into all that kind of stuff and just looking at things on the negative side and like whatever. And I think one of the most powerful things that you can do is like just really to be living a, like a life of gratitude. I find that like when I try to start my day, just like with a quick prayer of just thanking God for like, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my car. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like just a simple prayer of like thankfulness and like whatever of just realizing how much control you can have over the day, not control, maybe not what I'm looking for, but your day can take one of two paths very much on how you're going to respond to the, because we all know all this bullshit is going to happen on a nonstop continuing basis. And so much of my day in day out stuff can be so affected by if I go into it with gratitude and an attitude of like, I get to do this and I get to have a job and I get to have, you know, a wife who loves me and I get, and and to be grateful for all those things. I think having an attitude of gratitude and like trying to look at things that way can have such an influence on how your life goes and how you look at things and how, I don't know, it just changes so much of your perspective where if you can get into that mentality of this sucks why am I doing this? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why can't somebody pay me to have the, can't somebody see like, why does everybody say I have to have a bachelor's degree? Blah, blah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, maybe you can appreciate that Mike as being like a doer type person or whatever. I've kind of always been that way too. And, and like, I just think like your attitude can have so much of a good influence on your life. And I wish that I had kind of maybe keyed in on that sooner. And I feel like I wasted a lot of time on negative thoughts and, you know, being down on myself or being down on where I was at in life and what I was doing when other people were being successful and I was not or whatever. And I think that your attitude and your mental state and how you look at things makes such an influence on how, how your life goes on a day-to-day basis. At least for me, it does. I'm, I'm sort of juggling a few different things. I mean, I, I will still always probably struggle with the depression issues that I have, whatever they are, and uh, the fatalistic issues that I have, you know, those are always going to be sort of fighting for center stage in my head, but like what, like all the things that I just mentioned, just, you know, what is the point, you know, you know, it's really easy to say, easier to say than do what the point is, is that you're here to serve God. You know, um, I still have to remember that there's plenty of people who are not Christians who have all the reason in the world to be on this planet. They have no problem being here. You know what I mean? So that's that kind of works and it kind of doesn't for me i think uh i try to find the hope and the reason that keeps me around is that you know i've been shown a lot of grace by god and by my wife and by people who love me and uh that keep gives me hope like that gives me 
uh, lets me know that I, I haven't already blown it and that it's over, right? But then, you know, the possibility that I have come to that sort of mindset through my own shortcomings is, is uh, looms pretty strongly in my head. You know, all the bad decisions that I made in life because I couldn't deny my own selfish whatevers. Like every one of those things, if I, if I don't make those choices and instead I make uh, the choices that I know I'm supposed to make, I wonder how much different my, my fatalistic view is, you know? And that's why I see like the, the life that I'm, I'm have now, you know, I don't have any kids. I always was told, you know, that having kids is, it'll give you some purpose in your life. You know what I mean? I grew up with that sort of image portrayed in our society. We can't have any kids yet. You know, you may not ever have kids. So there's gotta be something more to it than that. Or else there's just no, you know, it's again, just the big empty. It's like trying to find a reason why I'm living is I first want to see what it's like when I'm making the choices that I ought to be making, you know? see how fatalistic I am, how much there is that I, I, I might enjoy, you know, how much I might enjoy the smell of fresh blooming flowers in my neighborhood or, you know what I mean? Like how much I enjoy like spending time with my wife or my dogs or just creating things from out of my own head, you know, trying to, trying to make choices that will enable me to enjoy that. And from there, you know, seeing what else is out there. And it doesn't hurt to, to have other opportunities come my way, you know? And, and, and maybe I don't see those opportunities in the past because I'm so wrapped up in this or that or whatever and pursuing some, you know, willow wisp or whatever. But there are opportunities that have been handed right to me. And so instead of like finding a reason not to seize them, finding a reason not to try, I'm actually, you know, trying and doing something and seeing where that goes. For me, that's about as as good as I can get, you know? I mean, I, I find a lot of peace in my relationship with my wife and in uh, the relationships that I've, I've had with, with people. Do I see that as a justification for living? <laughs> Maybe not, man. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't, I, I, I know that's probably not what people want to hear, but. Yeah, I, I think what you're touching on is what I struggle with is I have... I do not live in the moment at all. I'm always either looking yeah. back at what happened or I'm always looking forward. And so I really struggle with even when good things are happening. Like now I can live in the moment when I'm at Disney, you know, <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, this is awesome. And this is so cool. Like recently I've been working on a book and one chapter that I'm going to write was about my last trip to Haiti. And I want to call the chapter the night I quit Haiti. So we're renting a house down, down in Haiti now, um, around in this small village and, and the struggle to get water and power to this house is huge. You know, like mm -hmm. here, when you rent something, you move in, you just turn some shit on and every, everything water works. Water comes out of the spigot. Yeah. yeah. And the biggest problem is like, can I get my cable turned on? No. Can I get my TV through that door? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, will, will it fit? Will my couch fit through that door? So in Haiti, we're like, um, basically, I had to pay them to replumb the house to get water to this. You know, you store water in huge like cisterns on top of the, 
you know, the house, mm-hmm. but you can only do it at night because that's the only time that there's water actually flowing through any pipe. And then you have to have a pump and the pump broke and I had to go buy a new pump and had to pay these guys to install it. And then, so for three days, you know, we're taking whore baths with, you know, wipes and, you know, right. different things. And, <laughs> and, and so, and so the final night we got it all working and it's actually, and, oh, and the brand new generator I bought broke down and, and blew a circuit and we didn't have power and, you know, so it, it was just three days of me dealing with that, right? No ministry whatsoever, just me dealing with crap with this stupid house. <laughs> so the last night I hear this huge crash and I think, oh, that's probably, you know, thunder or lightning or something. Um, and then I all like this, your optimism. All this water <laughs> fills up the kitchen area of this house. Oh. And I go out back and I open the door and the water cistern, after spending three days trying to get water to this stupid holder, it's a huge, it, you know, it's a 400 gallon thing, right? Mm-hmm. It had filled up with water and it was leaning over and fell off the house because, oh it, because it filled gosh. up with water. And <laughs> That's so I'm amazing. Staring, I'm, staring, <laughs> I'm staring at this thing and I literally turned to Tiffany and I said, fuck Katie. <laughs> I quit. You've come full circle. That's it. I'm done. Started with fuck Africa. Now it's ending with fuck I AD. just reached my limit. And the thing is, is, is through all those problems and all these issues, I could never, I, I was not living in the moment of how thankful and grateful I should be that a, I live in a country where I can just turn on water and that's not even a question mm-hmm. or issue or that yeah. electricity isn't, uh, I don't have to buy uh, a five gallons of gasoline to keep my electricity on or that I could afford to fly there or that I can, that I'm in a position where, you know, God can use me and I can be in the minute, you know, everything yeah. that I was looking at five years ago, I'm yeah. actually doing. And there I am going, screw this because it's hard. And so for me, I really struggle with that part. It's like, I can look hindsight even to like Zambui and, you know, some of that stuff. And, and I can pick out the good parts and say, oh, that mm-hmm. was great. And, you know, this part sucked. Yeah, but, like the weekend on the houseboat, the yeah, time exactly. we went snowboarding. Exactly. And, <laughs> and then I'm always looking ahead. Like, like I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. And even like something, I mean, nothing in my life does not have a little bit of competition or a little bit of success wrapped in it. Or, you know, I can go see the Steve Jobs movie and then try to apply that to my life, you know, and go, well, okay, how, <laughs> how am I going to create this really amazing thing, you know? And, yeah. and so in life, that's the part because in the moment I'm pissed mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. traffic and I'm pissed about Starbucks and I'm pissed about all this stupid stuff. And I really have a hard time just being happy in the moment or that, Hey, the sun's shining today, but the whole time I'm thinking about accounting yeah. and you know, is this true for you guys? This is like the story of my life. Every time something good, some, some horrible happens at the same time. <laughs> like I, I went through nine months of being unemployed. I applied at like 150 jobs. I extended my unemployment benefits like four times. I got down to my last check and I had applied at School of Rock and I was like, they never called me back. I'm not going to get, I'm like uniquely qualified for this job. I can't even get the one job on earth. I should be like a lock for. And then they did the sequester. They cut my last check in half. I got that last check in the mail and then I got the job. And between the week that I got the job and when I was going to go to training, I almost died from a, a allergic reaction to something I never had a allergic reaction to like whatever, but it just seems to, I don't know why that happens. It's like every <laughs> time I'll have something totally awesome happen. Like there was two years that I, two years in a row, I got my uh, tax return back. And the week I got the tax return, I had to get all new tires on my car and my entire check just evaporated. Like, 
it's like a weird, true, like rule about why, I don't know, like why that it's like, you can't ha ever have like a, I'm just going to bask in the, in the joy of this moment of whatever it is like, Hey, I got a place I can stay in Haiti. Uh, finally, you know, I don't have to rough it at the thing. We, a little respite away from all the, you know, do a hard work day of work and I can go back here and know the water's thing is going to fall off the roof. Yeah. Like, what is that thing? Like, what is that? What <laughs> I think it's that? because we're just not ever supposed to, I mean, I really do think this. I don't think we're ever get too supposed comfortable. to get comfortable here. I don't think we're ever supposed to, for me, music was always going to be like, yeah, I'm going to get huge. Uh, saw a bunch of records. I'm going to buy the perfect spot in New York City. That's where I'll live when I'm not on the road and everything will be great. And I probably would have done exactly that had I been successful. And then my life would have zero value mm -hmm. outside of it. Like now I'm just trying to find out like, what am I supposed to be doing? Where can I be and be useful and, and, and purposeful, you know? And to me, like to have those types of thoughts right now, they're definitely towards mission field, towards helping the people in my town, you know, like those types of things I can't turn my back on. Like I think about Fresno, my hometown, which is not a happy place, mm -hmm. right? I want to go back there and do something awesome. I want to be part of doing something awesome in this town full of negativity and just violence and, and illness. Right. But that's never going to happen. If I get everything I want, mm -hmm. if I get everything I want, I'm never at a place like that in my head. Like to me, really, that's where I see you myself get comfortable, going. right? I, I see myself going there eventually someday to be a part of, of helping my hometown. Right. Until I realized that I wasn't just going to be able to cash in and tap out on the rest of life. <laughs> you know, you meet these guys, yeah. I meet these guys in television all the time who that's all they do, man. They, they, they live on their boat when they're not working. They have no concerns, no cares. To me, that just sounds like madness. It sounds like a way to, to, I will lose my mind and jump off the boat, you know? Well, also, I mean, the faith is a life of sacrifice. So at some point, you actually have to sacrifice a little bit, right? Right. Like, you know, at some point. And, and even like with talking about the mission field, I think we are supposed to, I've said this a lot on my podcast and a lot with our conversations, but Tiffany and I have just been in this place of just say yes. And just, mm -hmm. and just, we've been able to stay in that kind of level. It's been really hard to do, but at the same time, like what I found is that every time you sacrifice a little bit, every time you give a little bit, I start to gain energy from it. And I start to gain a little bit. Like, I think, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this thing. I don't have the money. I don't have extra resources, but I'm just going to do it. It still keeps happening and I'm still able to do it. And the further down the road I go, I mean, when I started with Haiti, I started out just like, I'm just going to go down there and help with the earthquake. And the next thing I know, I'm totally sucked in and, yeah. and I own a suburban that's in Haiti. And I don't have the money for any of that kind of stuff. It's just, it, it, it just, as I take a step, then, you know, something else happens. And it's not just in Haiti because we're always in this moment of say, yes, we are constantly doing something even, mm -hmm. you know, locally, even if it's just like, you know, um, someone is raising money for, you know, this homeless program and, and they need a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. And it's very inconvenient because just like your check scenario with the, uh, you know, getting, getting that money and spending it on tires. 
I find that giving has that same kind of effect where it's like, I just got an extra 150 bucks because of this thing or, or, right. or I sold something on eBay and someone just asked me for 150 bucks. And so I'm like, crap, I have to give this away. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> that's just kind of where we've been, you know, lately. The strange thing is that when we started all this, we were $70,000 in debt from mm. our clothing stores and all the crap we were trying to do before. And then today we are in $3,000 of debt. And no kidding. so Dang. like when I look back at that, I can't really like on this whiteboard behind us, I couldn't show you. Yeah, chart, hey, can you chart that out for us? <laughs> <laughs> here's how this worked. And here's how I was able to do it. It, it, it. Andy Stanley, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but he gave a sermon once that talked about that as you try to get out of debt and as you try to do things that God starts stepping in and helping you push, you know, the rest of the way. And I can totally be an example of that. Cause that's totally what's happened. Like the more we have given away, the mm. more I've been able to just get rid of stuff here and there. That's so awesome. And, um, but being the real me, there's always this impending doom of a piano right, hovering over my head by a string that, you know, yeah. is going to get cut any moment and all that is going to end. Sure. See, but my, my response to that would be, that sounds like a great thing for you. Yeah. I'm just not called to that. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you go ahead and give everything away and, and then trust with faith that uh, yeah. everything's not only going to work out, but it's going to work out better than you had anticipated. That's just not, it's not for me. Yeah. Okay. I was anyway. going to say, I don't have to do Praise it because Mike's doing bro. it. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> well, I don't have to do Mike's doing it already. Yeah. Hey God, it's me, Mark. Look, Mike already paid this. I don't know. <laughs> Do I have to double double pay this bill? <laughs> I think that's such a great testimony, Mike, because I can remember you uh, met various conversations that we've had where you've said, this is all I want to do is to do these things to help give back and to do these different projects and all that kind of stuff. And I can't figure out how to do it because I have all this debt and I have all this thing. And I think that's really awesome and inspiring to... <laughs> to say, I just did the thing. I just was obedient to doing what I felt was the right thing to do. And then that just kind of fixed itself. Cause I don't think that way at all. Like yeah. that, that I, it's like, I think I have to work to do this or pay it off or, yeah, but it, I mean, that's I, my natural inclination is I'll fix it or. Well, I'll at the same it. time though, I mean, I did, you know, for a year and a half, I worked at Target right. you know, from two in the morning till eight o'clock and then went to my real job yeah. and, and I should have worked at target instead of Chipotle. Cause I still have the, yeah. I mean, you did oh. the, you did the same thing, but it's like, you know, I mean, none of the stuff, I mean, nothing happens without sacrifice. And I think that's what kind of brings me back to the point of as a Christian, we're supposed to live this life of, of sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you're faced with certain things, it's got to cost you something. Otherwise, right. you know, everyone would be doing it. Right. And, and so I think like, and that goes with time. I mean, it's not just money. I mean, I mean, we've talked a lot about money, but it's, it's also time. None of us have extra time. I mean, oh, do yeah. you feel you have any extra time? Time whatsoever? is the biggest currency that there is in life period. Yeah. It's the basis for everything we've talked about up to this point, the years of life, the time in the day, the, you know, the time I wasted, like people talk about That's, this stuff I mean, all the time. It's like, what greater currency do you have than your time? And let and me I'm tell you, wasting a lot of it. You know, I, I know that there's more, there's a lot more that I could be doing and need to be doing in order to find that place where I no longer see the world the way I see it. You know, I, I know there's a purpose for me in, on this planet. You know what I mean? 
I'm ready to go whenever he says, let's go. That to me sounds like a relief, you know, tapping out a relief, but I'm not supposed to be in heaven right now. I'm supposed to be on earth. And there's a reason for that. And if I don't find out what that reason is soon, you know, I don't know. I, I may end up waking up one day and going, wow, that was 20 years. I just wasted off on nothing. You know, I'm at the point right now where I am pursuing whatever that is. I think I know. And I, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to see and the only way to find out is to just do it. And then, you know, if it that if I don't find that, that peace and that satisfaction there, I'll just keep looking for the next thing. It's also, it's not always your idea. You know what I mean? Like Africa was not my idea. But when I went, God open-handed bitch slapped me to drag me in a completely different direction than I was heading. And I'm not saying I was heading in a bad direction, but I was, I, w I had a whole other set of ideas. Like, this is what I want to be doing. And here's mm. the vision I have for my life. And then when I went to Africa, God said, boom, just forget that whole thing. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that was great and all, but here's my path. Mm. And I still haven't found it. I'm still like waiting in the darkness, in the fog, still trying to figure out what's going on. And um, the little bit of things that I do, uh, that I am able to do and I'm grateful to be able to do, I'm still so like unhappy with it. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still like, you know, water towers are still falling off my hat, you know, and the tires are blowing out and, and, and there's problems and there's issues. And, you know, now there's this weight of like, I got to keep the ball rolling, but I'll say again, kind of like what I was saying before that you get a little bit of energy from it too. Yeah. And you start finding that, um, some of this has to be beyond us. It's not about your time and your ability and your, your money. Some of this is just about the, at some point, at some point, this whole conversation that we've done for three hours, at some point, it all boils down to one thing. Do you really believe that God is God? Right. Do mm -hmm. you really believe that God has a purpose, that he has a plan, that he is in everything from the wind to the, uh, to the sun rising, to things falling. At some point, your faith has to come into play and not just something that we know. And I think that as Christians, we're great at knowing a lot of things and we're really good at uh, talking about it, but we do a poor job at actually leaning on our faith. And every time that I lean on my faith, it's normally because I have to. And I would love to find a way to just lean on my faith because I want to. Mm -hmm. But so many times that I do, you know, even like with my bills and everything, I don't trust God for anything that I have in my life, really. I mean, honestly, if I'm just being honest, I just mm -hmm. do it. But uh, if someone gets sick yeah. or cancer or right, right. someone get, you know, You're on the there's death <laughs> involved, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, man, my faith is yeah. like, man, sure. because there's nothing else because there is the insurance isn't going to work now. And, right. and, you know, like all mm -hmm. these other things that we lean so heavily on and trust on, they're not going to work in the end when it comes down to the actual supernatural power that God has to intervene in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have a hard time getting to. And I think in general, I think so, that's what Christians are missing. We're missing this partly because we live in the greatest country in the world and we live very unchallenged lives. And I don't mean unchallenged in that there, we have deaths in our lives or we have loved ones and, and that life can be hard. I'm saying unchallenged in that something is constantly testing our faith because right. mm -hmm. I don't 
think necessarily day day by day we live like that. No, we don't. That's, I mean, dude, that to me, you said it, everything comes down to, do you believe God is God? I mean, if you do, then that affects everything that we even just discussed from protecting yourself in your home and whether or not God is, God knows that the bad guys are out there and they want to get in. You know what I mean? Uh, from, from that to pursuing your, the, the dreams or whatever that you have in your life to knowing what your purpose is on this planet. I mean, ultimately it all comes down to, if I believe that God is God, then I know that there's an answer to those questions, you know, and I know that there's a sovereign knowledge about all of those things. It's just my fight is I don't, I, I don't control that. And so I don't like it, you know, and I, I want that control which is hilarious because I've never been good at that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember the alarm from the 80s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The alarm. I was listening to, I don't know, this is just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And I was remembering their uh, electric folklore live record. And there's this point at which uh, their singer who has cancer mm -hmm. um, right now. So I was kind of thinking about him and that struggle and all that kind of stuff. He uh, recounts this quote from Woody Guthrie, the great American folk singer, where he says, you know, um, I don't relate to, and it's so funny too, how true this is, because this was like 1986, 1987, mm -hmm. when that, when strength and all that stuff was out and whatever. And he says this amazing thing to the cr crowd at the show, um, this quote that I love, I was just listening to it in my car the other night over and over and over again. When I turn on the radio in this, in 1988, I just like, don't feel anything off the music anymore. Because it just, it reminds me of something that Woody Guthrie once said in 1945. I hate a song that makes you feel like you're no good. I hate a song that makes you feel like you're born to lose. Makes you feel like you're bound to lose. Makes you feel like you're nobody And you're no good to nobody You're too thin You're too fat You're too old You're too young You're too this Or you're too that I'm out to fight those songs With every ounce of breath in my body And I just loved that idea and what he was saying and like, whatever, I just, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't log on to Facebook like you did when we started this whole thing or get online or hear what people are saying or whatever. And just want to say like, what the fuck, dude? Like I did, you know, everyone's lost the plot. Like the fruits of the spirit are peace, patience, loving kindness, you know, all these things, like, where is that? That's yeah. the, and, and then I think of that quote of like, I want to fight that shit with every ounce of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we need to be the loudest voice that says we're going to be the ones that stand up for love. You need, you, these people need a place to go. Welcome. We, we want you to come here, you know? And every time it's like, we just need to be louder than all these people that are saying this bullshit. And we all just feel like our hands are tied behind our back. And we're all just going to sit mm -hmm. sadly on the sidelines being angry. You know, I just think about the three of us and how we all kind of come from that punk kind of like, you know, thing. And I was, but you were saying about being dissatisfied and that kind of thing. And it just kind of popped in my head that like dissatisfaction is like the fire that fuels like revolution. Like we have to get dissatisfied to the point to where we're not going to accept, you know, those voices and those people to, to direct the plot. Like 
And I like that idea of being able to be some source of inspiration for people to where, you know, those are the things that we're promoting, the, the positive things, the good things, the every time I love those, it sounds corny, but I love those like news sites that have like the positive, like here's a story about a lady in her, in her community <laughs> right, is right. helping kids with down yeah. syndrome or here's yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like, I love that stuff. And, and like, that's, I feel like we get so again, like keeping with that theme of like being distracted by the enemy of like getting caught up in these other things, like where we lose the plot and forget like what we're fighting for. Like we want to be the antidote to all this negative shit that like we're constantly surrounded with. And especially now it gets so hard when you get into the fucking election cycle and all this stuff and like whatever. And it just seems like you're just in a boat full of shit and you're trying to like bilge it out. And it's like, wait a minute, I just bilged out all this stuff and here everybody comes again with their bullshit. And oh, we had another shooting or we, oh, we had another like whatever. And it's just like, again, I just think about that guy and Mike Peterson, the alarm saying, I want to fight those things with every ounce of strength in my body. And that's what Jesus did. Right. That's what he brought. He, I mean, like when I, it sounds cheesy to say, but you know, as the young Christian punk kid, you know, you're like, Jesus was super radical. (laughs) And it's like, but, but his message was so opposite of what our human condition wants. Mm -hmm. Like our human condition wants, we want, uh, we want justice. We want revenge. We want the opposite of what God wants. Mm -hmm. What God wants is he wants you to extend grace Mm -hmm. and mercy. And um, I don't know who said it, but someone said, um, a famous person said that, uh, you know, love is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. And I don't know how to give people what they need because I always want people to get what they deserve. Even like mm-hmm. the guy in front of me who's driving crazy, man, I just want him to wreck. But so even bad. then, <laughs> deep down, you know you're undermined by the fact that you deserve the shit. Of course. You yes. know what I mean? It's Absolutely. like it's it's d- deep down I know I can have this this cocky like I want people to get what they deserve. But if I'm really being honest, I don't want that at all. Yeah. Because then I'm doomed. And that's not a token thing at all to say. You know, I know, man. I, I know what I am capable of. I know what I've done and the things that I've done. I'm, I'm reminded of them every single day. When I wake up in the morning and you can't push that shit down, it's just raw knowledge of what, all the bad things that you have actually done and the things that you are responsible for. You know, that's the guy I am. That guy never says, I want people to get what they deserve. That guy says, dear God, please give me grace. I'm sorry for everything, you know? And I I wonder if the world outside, during all this stuff that's going on, who are they going to look to? Are they going to look to the people who say, I am a wretch and I've been shown grace. I'm just happy to to be at your feet, right? Are they going to look to that guy? Are they going to look to the guy who says, stay out, doors locked, don't come in. We can't take a risk. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I'm not better than anybody else, but I also know that I can't consciously decide to be that shut off anymore. I just can't do it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I I think we get inspired by seeing faith at work. Like, Like what you were saying about the lady who's like, you know, doing something. That's faith at work. That's someone who is taking out their time, taking out their energy and saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sow into someone else. I'm going to give into someone else. And I think the more you see that, the more we love it, you know, like ours, because I think something inside of us, either, you know, call it the Holy spirit, call it whatever, you know, the still small voice, something starts kind of turning inside of us to go. That's what it's looks like. So I'm supposed to be doing, Hey, you, 
that's that's what it looks like that thing <laughs> yeah. over there yeah. so this thing that you're doing over here that's just like nothing but this big question i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing you actually know the answer yeah. to that cuz nobody ever says those damn christians are helping the homeless again oh there they go <laughs> there they go again <laughs> feeding the hungry and, oh, and helping uh, helping people with all their emptying out every sunday and going down to the park and making sandwiches for everybody those sons of bitches what a bunch of hypocrites out yeah. there Helping, helping those people. See, but I got to do that or else I'm that, <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah? I got to do that or else I'm the dude. I'm worse than the guy who says the door's locked. You know what I mean? Right. I thought people were all basically good, Mark. So that's what I uh, hear. That's the PR I'm hearing. We're all basically good, you know? So all going to do the right thing when left to our own devices. Always. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think a lot to do with my walk and life and being where I'm at wouldn't happen if I wasn't married to Tiffany. Mm -hmm. How have you guys like kept your marriage on track considering that divorce is so prevalent and we have so many friends that all that stuff has just fallen? I don't know, dude. I mean, honestly, last year was a rough one. Last year, I was not in a good place in my head. And it was because of a lot of things. One of them being, I was just doing the most, like a completely opposite of what I have in my heart to do. You know, that was definitely not helping at least. And I was doing it alone. Like I'm never going to be okay. Just making that money, making that money, making, you know what I mean? It's not, I'm never going to be able to be that guy. I, and it just is not enough to keep me sane. I think the only way to, to keep a marriage together in my belief is to do all the things that God wants you to do. You want to still be passionate for your wife. Don't lust after other women. You know, you want to still have a have peace in your home. Don't be a selfish prick. You know, you want to, um, you want to see your wife love you freaking love her. You know, you want your wife to do things for you. Why don't you die to yourself and do some things for her? Like, honestly, it's that simple. I don't think it's that complicated. It's just like, I just don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> you know, it's like so much easier to do the other stuff. I love it. I back it. I don't know what to say. My wife doesn't want me to talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I'm super grateful for my marriage. Like, yeah, I found that like when we're, things are most harmonious, as soon as I put myself in a more of a servant mode of how can I keep the apartment clean? How can I, you know, serve my wife? How can I listen to her? How can I talk? You know, like sometimes if you just have a good fight where you're actually communicating, even if it's fighting, like mm -hmm. sometimes we've had some of the, in fact, we had a thing where we went through this problem, a thing that was my fault. <laughs> um, just like a situation of social anxiety that I had to kind of get to the bottom of that, you know, sent us to some counseling sessions and stuff like that. And what came out of that is really maybe the strongest era of our marriage yet. You know, like we celebrated, uh, we've been together 15 years. It was our, this week actually, yesterday was our ten, nine year since we had the wedding that you came to, Mike, and then 10 years. Hmm. Uh, it'll be uh, that we've been married. And um, congratulations, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and I, I feel like we came out of that so strong because we really had to like fight through some things and really communicate, even if it's just like listening and listening about the shitty day that your spouse has had or like whatever, I think like is goes so far to strengthen a marriage when I think like a lot of times you just come home from work and you're just beat and exhausted and you don't want to fucking listen. I listen to people all day long talking to me, small talking me to death and everything. It's like, I just want to shut my brain off, watch some TV show. And, you know, to, to, I think to give that 
thing reaps such a reward in any kind of relationship when, when you're like that. And, and that's the thing that like, just the importance of that being willing to, to be a servant to your spouse. And, and as you do that, they in turn, you know, serve you. Well, hopefully they do. Sometimes they don't. And we know how that ends, <laughs> but yeah. So I think it's like weird again, uh, like what was like a terrible situation turned into like the best time of life. And I think that's, can be true. Like the struggle, sometimes going through a struggle or like whatever versus kind of coasting and everything's sort of copacetic and like, you're just kind of going through things are pretty smooth. Not everything's great, but you know, you kind of just get along and whatever it's like, but then all of a sudden you have like a real uh, situation come up and you really have to dig in. Um, it seems like at least for me that then you come out stronger every time. Yeah. It's kind of been my experience. With I stuff. think I've had a little bit of advantage being divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds silly to say, but I think, you know, my previous marriage, there were so many things that happened in it um, as far as just stupidity and youth making dumb mistakes, um, which is why I've always tried to beat into my children's head that you don't marry anyone until you're over 25, you know, at least you know, and maybe 30, maybe even better because you're just not figured yourself out yet. Totally. And, and you're not ready to be coupled up. But through that process though, I also learned what I will never put up with ever again in a marriage. And mm-hmm. so whenever Tiffany and I first started um, dating, I was just, you know, we decided from day one, it's like, I'm not going to fight with you about the same thing every year. You know, at the, at the same time of year, we are going to hash it out but so whenever we fight, we have knockdown, drag out fights. But when we get done with that fight, we're done. Like, okay, that's yeah. what, you know, we come to some level of we've gotten past this. And so we don't fight about that anymore. We have brand new fights. Um, but, you know, with us, I mean, what has been a success for us, honestly, is the time that we've taken to learn the other person. Mm-hmm. Because as I look at, um, I mean, we have silly things that bug each other because that's normal of any kind of relationship. But as I've learned who she is, I, I say, oh, she's really strong in these areas. And I let her be strong in those areas. And then the areas that I'm strong in, she lets me be strong in them. And they don't annoy the other person because we've learned that that's your strength instead of me trying to be, well, I need to be the strong one in that area. I just surrender that part of it and say, that's just not my gift. I'm not good in in that way. And I would say 90% of my friends that I have um, in Nashville are all because of her, you Mm -hmm. know? And so the, uh, the recluse introvert (laughs) side of me, I don't want to meet new people. And I say it all the time, (laughs) you know, she'll say, Hey, there, Hey, there's this couple, you know, they're really cool. We should go hang out with them. Like, I I don't need any more friends. I'm not I'm interested. Good. I'm good. Yeah. And then, and then I always end up being really good friends with those people. And, and I'm always like, man, you're right. Oh, yeah, and, right. And, and I, you know, I poo poo everything. And I mean, like one thing that I definitely do, and even with mission work um, and anything is like, I never think anything is a good idea. Like, Hey, let's go down and feed the homeless on Saturday. My first gut reaction is always to say, uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that sounds like, a, like a bad time because we'll have to park. Yeah. And then we'll have to walk and then we'll have to like make sandwiches. I'll probably have to talk to someone. <laughs> and so it's never a good idea, but she is always right. Mm. Like whatever thing she wants to do, she's always right. And, and for a long time she would plan out these weekends. Um, you whenever, sure you don't want me to hit 
stop on you know, sure you want this recorded yeah. <laughs> whatever she says is right oh uh, she doesn't <laughs> listen to me <laughs> she'll never listen to this podcast there's an upside to none of our wives ever listening to any of our podcasts ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, uh, that's true so now we all have an ace in the hole for each other remember remember when mike said that tiffany was always right about everything yeah. just hold that to one be clear i didn't say she's right about everything <laughs> So you she's said she's like, always right. That's what you said. Whatever just, she wants to do, she's always right. Those are your exact words. Yeah, just in case you didn't you didn't catch it. Just keep that in mind during the edit phase. I was really moved by your whole word. Of the <laughs> your secret's safe with me, Mike. Don't worry. Thank you, sir. All right, that's it. You've reached the end of the first annual podcast lips, and I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. I know that we did. The music on today's program included Auld Lang Syne, performed by Guy Lombardo, and Rescue Me by The Alarm from Electric Folklore Live. Happy New Year, everybody. And until next time, keep up the good work. We're proud of you. I was wondering what the hell is going on here. There's no cheese tray. Uh, there's no sandwiches. Your time will not go past three. I didn't see any M&Ms. Ba-da-bum, ba-da-bum.